All right, welcome to another edition of Sounding Off on Soccer. This is John Krasinski uh, today from Pittsburgh Soccer Now. Um, so today we're going to uh, be bringing on Devin Kerr, who's a USL championship, um, MLS, uh, NCAA college soccer, uh, one of the top analysts across the board, really on this side of the Atlantic. And we love having Devin on. I've had him on multiple times on the podcast. But before we get to that, uh, just you know, here we are. The Riverhounds um, have been around since 1999. I've uh, been on the pro landscape that it, on the pro landscape in American soccer. That's that's a long time. Um, there's only two teams remaining in the USL championship who are had franchises at that time. One of them is Charleston Battery. The other is Pittsburgh Riverhounds. Um, but really looking through the club's history, um, their season by season records, it's really, really hard to find a more meaningful match than um, the one coming up this Saturday uh, between the Riverhounds and Tampa Bay uh, Rowdies, who they've kind of built a really interesting rivalry with over the last five or six years. Um, and it all started when both sides were, they weren't in the same, um, they weren't in the same league when, when Tampa was in the NASL and Pittsburgh was in the USL um, in 2015, when they played, the first time ever in the U.S. Open Cup. And, of course, Rob Vincent scored that memorable goal, one nothing, um, at stoppage time to help the Hounds advance um, at that time. But since then, that Rowdies have joined a USL championship. And when you look at the top of the standings, it's usually Pittsburgh, Tampa Bay, Louisville, uh, among other a few others um, that pretty much have consistently been at the top top of the standing so this match you know it's been a long time coming the riverhounds have a chance now to capture the players shield which would be the overall points winner they they are looking to lock up the eastern conference they've been in the lead uh of the eastern conference race pretty much since i believe since early june um so that's um something that you know that's first and foremost win the eastern conference and get that home field for the playoffs uh, through the first, you know, two, three rounds. And now if they can capture the player's shield too, that could mean um, all the way through having home field um, as well. Um, so, yeah, they have a three-point lead on the Rowdies with two matches to go in both the Eastern Conference and the USL Championship races. Um, and the sweet rewards, as I said, would, will, will come with winning the – with we be the home field advantage and the fans and this has been a monumental season in Pittsburgh as far as attendance broken all the records uh, in club history to have over five thousand fans a game um, so this is you know, <laughs> strike the iron while it's hot like the hounds have to take advantage just the momentum that they've created this year. Um, as a squad, as a team, as an organization, and getting fans to come out. Um, this is this. They, I think this is a win at Tampa uh, will go a long way in terms of also helping them prepare for the playoffs. Uh, give them a week where they can kind of work everybody in fitness wise in the final match of the season and won't have to play for too much. But if Tampa, you know, Tampa wins this match, then all of a sudden all bets are off. It's going to come down to the last week. It'll come down to the teams being tied and then who who can get the result in the last week. Both teams will have to play on the road next week. Pittsburgh and Detroit, Tampa Bay and 
Louisville. So yeah, so that's uh, pretty much it. So the the scenarios for this one would be the Hounds um, win, they're in. They get they get the sixty six points. They clinch the Players Shield and they clinch the Eastern Conference, um, and they'll have home field. Uh, if they draw, the Hounds would increase their points total to sixty four. That maintains a three point uh, lead on Tampa and ha- would have the advantage in the head to head tiebreaker if that were to happen. At worst, they could clinch a tie for the top spot in the USL Championship overall points too, um, if there's a draw at Tampa. And then if there's a loss, they would remain at sixty three points. Tampa would tie them. And as I said um, earlier, this would come down to the last week of the regular season. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. Kind of see how that goes. Um, and yeah, we're um, looking forward to to that. Um, you know, we'll we'll see. We'll see what happens. But but the matchup, and that's what I'm excited talking to Devin about because you know Tampa and Pittsburgh, uh, and in conversation with Bob Lilly, um, you know he wasn't that impressed with. Uh, his team's effort in the previous match against Tampa, they they won, the Hounds won in August, won nothing against Tampa. And Bob wasn't impressed. And and neither uh, really was Tampa's coach, Nicky Law. Uh, Nicky, uh, first year, actually was hired middle middle of the season and um, uh, be, uh, with, with Tampa. Um, and, and and you know, kind of took over the squad. Kind of, they kind of had to. Um, um, they they didn't have a great start to the season. They had some key injuries, and um, that's something that um, you know we'll talk to we'll talk to Devin about. But um, he really, you know, Nicky Law wasn't really impressed with his teams. He was impressed with his team's fight. It was a playoff field type of match, but neither team uh, really could do much um, getting into the final third. So. Um, so, yeah, so we'll talk to Devin about that shortly and um, looking forward to this matchup, the Hounds in Tampa Bay, um, second to last match of the season. Um, so here we go. All right. I'm going to be bringing Devin on just shortly. So just hang in there. All right. We have uh, the do it all, uh, you know, probably the busiest soccer analyst on this side of the Atlantic. I think I've said that before. Um, Devin Kerr has been on the pod before, but we, you know, this is a big matchup coming up uh, Saturday night, Pittsburgh river hounds, Tampa Bay rowdies down at Al Lang stadium, St. Pete. Um, and I believe you've already been offering your, your analysis and previewing this match, but um, it doesn't get any better than this. If you're a soccer fan in either one of these cities. I wish I was calling the damn thing. Yeah, <laughs> that's it's kind of one of those games that you look around and go, man, I would love to be on that one two matchup and certainly been on some in the past. But yeah, Pittsburgh and Tampa Bay and, and what they have to offer in the USL championship. I, I've maintained the entire season that I personally think I shouldn't say the entire season. I would probably say right around the halfway point just prior to the departure of Neil Collins that the Tampa Bay Rowdies are the best team in the Eastern Conference. Now, I know that's not going to go over well on this venue or platform yeah. i should say but it's not that i don't think pittsburgh is not we can get into the ins and outs of it but you know the fact that they're they're right there 2v1 1v2 however you want to phrase it the winner of this most assuredly barring something ridiculous down the stretch will be the number one not just in the east but they'll be the number one seed overall they'll get the player's shield as they're calling it now and the opportunity to host every single game, including the final. So it should be an awesome one. 
Yeah, so let's get get right to it. You know, the the first matchup, the Hounds won one nothing in August, and Bob Lilly even said last week when somebody asked him, like, "Look, we didn't play our best; they didn't play their best," and that's kind of how he sees it. He didn't see; he doesn't; he's not reading too much into that first matchup. Um, and truth was, the Hounds got the early goal, and and I thought they did do a good job of limiting Tampa's ability to create uh chances in the final third i'm i'm not sure if you had a chance to look at that that match yeah i've seen it yeah i I watched it back then um i believe i watched it on the the sunday after it's been a while um it's funny because august seems like yesterday but it's also in in the sporting world it's like a decade ago i would agree with you thought they did a really good job of limiting them the biggest thing for me about about Pittsburgh and their matchups in general, but certainly in the in the game against the Rowdies back on August 5th is it's not just at home. It's it's mirroring the performances away. There's a level of consistency that seems to have found its way to the Hounds this season that regardless of home or away, they're able to mimic their structure. And so what is that structure? That structure is pressing. It's making teams feel uncomfortable and none more so than the Tampa Bay Rowdies felt that day. The Rowdies changed a little bit more this year compared to previous seasons. Neil Collins was very set in his ways of, I'm going to play a three-back system. You know, here are my wingbacks, and and this is what we're going to try and look like. Now, the major tweaks that he made within that, for a long time he looked for a 10, an out-and-out 10 to play, you know, at the top of a double pivot in the midfield. That didn't necessarily go his way throughout his search, so he figured out that, he could tr- sort of recreate it between the striking system and the midfield. So he could play three up top and play with two tens. He could play with two strikers up top and let a single pivot down underneath and let, you know, kind of two eights, two tens roam within the midfield. You know, the exploration of their attacking prowess led to the form that was Leo Fernandez. Now, key point that you have to understand is Leo Fernandez was not available in right. that game back on August 5th because he did his Achilles in preseason. Right. He is now back. Whether or not we see him is a different story. I don't believe that you're going to start. I don't know why you would wait this long to get such a gem back and then force him into it and risk injury to him. I would imagine that they're going to ease him along. But where I'm going with this is is that consistency that I talked about, regardless of what the Tampa Bay Rowdies threw at them in that match you know, two months ago, Pittsburgh had an answer. And so as we've seen all season long, Joey Farrell commanding the back line. His addition back into the Bob Lilly system – to me is probably one of the more important pieces they they got this year because it's easy to look at the goals certainly my affection for you know what is Danny Griffin and Mar- Robbie Mertz in the midfield Canardo Forbes absolutely but they needed someone to control that and Joey Farrell does that and that's not a knock on Arturo Donez he's a guy who's got a ton of talent and certainly knows the city coming from Pitt he he's capable of being one of the guys but Joey Farrell, at every stop that he's been in, it's it's kind of got an old school mentality to him of, I'm the locker room guy, I'm the leader, by example, physically, and to be able to control all that against the Tampa Bay Rowdies team that really couldn't penetrate anything that day. Well, and that's interesting, too, because Bob and I believe um, John Morrissey men- pointed this out as well in his, his piece, but, you know, the Hounds have played you know the it's interesting because they consistency wise roster wise they had they didn't really feature the same starting lineup for months and months and months and now they've got 
Bob has sort of settled into this same grouping with Robbie Mertz, by the way, coming off the bench and Tola Show, me coming off the bench. It was very interesting rotation. Uh, Mark Abara, who you spoke with to me on, on this podcast uh, earlier in the year about how collegiately he was a gem and he, you know, it now in his second year is pretty much has risen into that midfield grouping with Kennardo Forbes and Danny Griffin. Um, so I think Bob, in terms of consistency, that's this, that's this group. I think he really likes this and he, he's, he's pretty firm. He was pretty firm with me about that, you know, about, about two or three weeks ago. It's like, we pretty much know who we are. We pretty much are going to roll out who we're going to roll out. And um, so that will be interesting. Um, it, it, I don't think, I think tactically Bob will make tweaks, but I don't think personnel wise, I think barring injuries, I don't think you'll see too many changes. So to your point, and I actually, even though I'm not on as many USO games, primarily the national games and a couple ones twinkled, twinkled here and there because of right. scheduling, um, I still pay attention a ton. I still watch a ton and I track things like that. So to your point, 35 matches, I've actually got it on a piece of paper here with me. Um, 35 matches, all competition, comp- competitions for the Pittsburgh Riverhounds this year. And yet the first time that they featured back-to-back lineups was games consecutively. Home and away, the 3-1 victory against Loudon, and then on the road against Miami. That's, But that is the DNA that if you look at the successful teams that Bob has had, it has always been that. It has been, I don't care. And, and, he, and I mean this in the nicest of ways. I don't care <laughs> who you are. I don't care what you do. This is how we're going to play. If we adjust, you need to be able to understand what we are going to do and what your role will be. And as that changes, are you capable in your individual matchups of changing as well? Good example. And we've spoken about this before. I've talked about it in games. We know that Bob Lilly is incredible defensively. They are impossible to break down. I'm talking historics right now, certainly uh, as good as the team is defensively this year. But you can take a game that saw a matchup back in 2020 and a player in Danny Rivera that at that point in time, Pittsburgh was, again, fluctuating out of a three and a four back system. But we were coming out of COVID. We were in the groups. And he used Danny Rivera to man mark Tyler right. Pasher. Primarily, that really hasn't been used on a... There are situations for sure. But it has not been a, a spot where Bob has gone, this is your assignment. Here's what you're going to do. And yet... That same player on the same team four seasons later, the 2023 season, and he pulls that out in an Open Cup game against Cincinnati. And he marked Lucho Acosta with Danny Rivera. Now, I'm talking about one player, but I've seen the same thing when he was at Rochester. We've seen the same thing, whether it's Dane Kelly up top in the pressing pattern or it's Steven Dos Santos. Um, certainly, the the personnel that are up top there now and what they're capable of and It's just, to me, it's always, it's Albert Dequa, it's Tola, it's Edward. People understand their jobs. And so getting the dressing room right is a very difficult thing to do. And he's had some characters, Dane Kelly included in one of them, that maybe didn't do that all the time, right? Maybe you had midfielders that were clued in here and there, or you had defenders who, they were talented enough, but they weren't willing to step out of their comfort zone. That's what this team is, man. And, you know, Mm -hmm. for a long time, I wondered as to whether or not their DNA was going to showcase themselves on the attacking end, consistency, consistency. Apparently, I can't speak today. I apologize. <laughs> um, 
The good news is, is Albert Dequa does. Right. And I, I would say that the bad news is, is it's, it's pretty much Dequa bust respectfully. And well, that's right. That's the question. You know, it's, I think he's, I, it, they've had this, these bursts where, you know, they, they, they could score and set pieces and things like that. I think yeah. though, against the, in the very high level competition, whether it's Tampa or maybe a, another team playing really well. The other thing is India, India 11, um, you know, came to Highmark. They have the only win uh, where they, the one area where I thought that the hounds were exposed a bit was if you could break that press and you can, you know, keep it. Um, and, and I thought they did a really good job. They were the only team really to, to, to consistently do that this season um, in, in a 90 minute match and, and really dominate, I wouldn't say dominated, but controlled the match. And that's something Bob doesn't want to do is lose control. He wants to dictate terms. Um, what is, yeah. What, what do you think teams like Tampa are, are looking to do to exploit the hounds or break them down because, you know, they are so well organized. That's the key to everything here is it, it, it's finding out what the game plan is going to be from the get-go. And I mentioned how Pittsburgh is going to change. If Pittsburgh come high and they press you, which they do, then all of a sudden that, that has consequences, right? So if you commit both of your strikers, right, and, and you allow Edward Kizzo and Albert Dequa to go, then it's the decision underneath who's going to be who's going to be tracking. And I'm just assuming that, that Kiz is going to be the complement there, right? Like it could be right. a multitude of players, but you know, four games running and he's used the same lineup. The two of them, if they go, now it's on the responsibility and in, in me, two key areas. You have to bring the midfield with you, especially with as versatile as the rowdies are, because the second that you don't get a Danny Griffin or Canardo Forbes isn't coming to track, Ibar is not holding pivot underneath or, or coming off on the right or left hand flank, depending on where they're lined up. The second that you don't get there quick enough, well, it doesn't matter how good they are up top in the pressing patterns and the, the amount of pressure that you put on the back line. Tampa's incredible at saying, okay, you've tried to come at us, but we're going to create our own overload because you've exposed yourself by not tracking in the midfield. Okay, well, simple enough. You play out of the first line of pressure. Well, now, does the pressure have you played far enough past that front line to actually give yourself some time to react, or excuse me, to, to think? Or are you reacting? If you're reacting, that means that the midfield, although late, is coming. Okay, well, then the next step has to come. You have to get through that. And then the second part of that is going to be, where do the wingbacks play into this? How much are they willing to chase up top? Are you going to say, you know, I just talked about Danny Rivera. He's been using him on the right-hand flank. Does Danny yep. Rivera commit on the right-hand side? Do they come with a high line of pressure? And do they chase the possession-oriented um, outside backs from Tampa Bay Rowdies? You know, Connor Antley is one of them. You know, Aaron Guillen has been hurt, and and whether or not we see him as another story, but it's Connor Antley, it's Jordan Doherty, Forrest Lasso is back in the form, Freddie Kleeman. I'm moving on to the back line now, but all these guys are really good, John, at holding the ball and possessionally finding the way to disperse appropriately. So you beat the first line. Even if you come to the outside, are the wingbacks there? If the wingbacks aren't there, now they've got space to, to, to push you. And at some point in time, the team has to commit. Second part of that argument, if they don't press high and they start to sit a little bit, to me, that's the more interesting conversation. I probably feel that if I was a coach setting up, that's where I'm the most concerned against Pittsburgh because hmm. of Pittsburgh's resolve this year, even more so than others to say, just take the ball, man. We, we don't care. We know we're good. We're going to sit here, keep you in front of us. 
Um, I think John quoted it in the article, did a really good job of of tracking numbers. John Morrissey that he released that, you know, they're the second lowest possession team in the league. Well, guess what? Possession isn't always sexy. Take Mm -hmm. a look at San Antonio last year. They were lowest in the league. They were, they were terrible. And when it came to actually possessing the ball overall, and yet who really cares how much you have it. If you're, if you're executing at a high level, when you do. So if you invite that pressure, certainly you have to make sure that you're tracking runners and they've got a ton of them. You know, you've got a guy in Cal Jennings up top that's very versatile. They got Jake LaCava back on loan. J.J. Williams, whether you play him as a point man or you play him in the pocket underneath, he's got soft feet back to goal. If you compress the field, you make them work for it in a tighter space, which they can do, but it also opens up more space in behind, which is where the Pittsburgh Riverhounds are at their best. Transitional moments, pushing in behind. So it's a tit for tat. There's no smoking gun. There's no right answer. You're probably going to see 10 different looks throughout the game. If it's Bob Lilly and he has it his way, you're going to see 50 different looks. That's the greatness that is the mastermind of Bob Lilly as a coach. But yeah, it's I, I mentioned earlier, right when we came on, that to me, the Tampa Bay Rowdies are the best team in the East. I say that because I feel that the compliment on the attacking side is better throughout the group. You have not just one player. It's not just Cal Jennings who's sitting on, was he on 15 goals now, 17 goals, something like that? Yeah, um, he's right 17. So mm-hmm. it's not just Cal Jennings. You've got J.J. Williams. You've got Charlie Dennis who can bring up the rear. These are guys attacking-wise who are not just creating chances, they're able to finish them off. If you start to then include other players around who can get involved in that mix, Jan Ekra is still an extremely talented ball handler. You know, whether it's appearances, minutes, top of the list everywhere in the championship, they're just, they're so good at making you conform to them, which is hilarious because that's exactly what the, the Tamp or excuse me, what the Pittsburgh Riverhounds do. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a, a test of will, which team conforms to the other and, and, and dictates terms. And Bob's all about dictating terms. And I, I actually the one other inch match this year that I saw that was similar to what you're describing uh, was the Orange County uh, in Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh had to go out there. And the only goal scored in the match was, again, Pittsburgh pressing high. Like they were disrupting Orange County left and right. But then all it took was one breakthrough and we know Tampa is very capable of that as well if you go back and look at that match by the way notice how much they had the ball in that game Orange County Orange County was willing to give it to him if you go watch if you're a rounds fan go watch Orange County and you're right it's one moment it's on a break it's in transition they get their goal they limit shots they limit possession you know hitting the target everything but it was a frustrating game for the Hounds because they had more on the ball they had to control things probably more so than they wanted to and Orange County was willing to do that at home because they knew the form that they were in and a of what Pittsburgh was bringing and to frustrate them, make them work for it a little bit more. Eventually, players take it into their own hands. And I'm not saying that, that that's overall what happened, but players will eventually get frustrated, deviate from the game plan. I can tell you firsthand knowledge that if it's not working, I'm eventually going to step out and do something on my own to help my team win. The problem is, is at any level, that's usually where you get yourself into trouble. Milan Oloski made him pay in the 40th minute and they won one nil. Well, fascinating stuff, Devin. And I really, your insights, I always appreciate. Um, we certainly could talk more, but I know we both have tight schedules and um, this is perfect. Uh, just really enjoy um, your, your analysis. And uh, where are you this weekend, by the way? That's a loaded question, John, and you know that. I'm <laughs> I am currently in my hotel room in Raleigh Durham. 
I am calling the University of North Carolina versus Syracuse match tonight. Nice Great. top 25 Great. matchup in ACC and NCAA soccer. I get on a plane tomorrow morning. I will fly to Dallas, and I will call FC Dallas versus San Jose in MLS, the 8-9 matchup, fighting for that play-in game spot in MLS play. So, uh, Great stuff. Yeah, we'll, we're paying close attention to those ACC matchups. Of course, Pitt playing tonight at Virginia uh, – playing against Virginia Tech. Um, so we're, we're, um, looking forward to, you know, kind of seeing how Pitt progresses and I'm sure that, that's another conversation. Um, but it should be a, a great, it's, you know, honestly, it isn't a marathon, uh, in the, in the college it's, it's really is more of a sprint. So uh, I'm sure before we know it, we'll be talking about like college cup and stuff. Bring me back. I'm in the Jay Vitovich and Pitt can, can do no wrong in my eyes. They play the beautiful game in a, and an amazing style. And they seem to have found a little bit of form and gotten themselves back on track. So happy to come on anytime. Give me a ring. All right. Absolutely. Thanks, Devin. Thanks for uh, joining me and uh, have a great day. Have a great busy weekend. Thanks brother. Good luck to your boys this weekend. Enjoy the match. Thanks. Cheers, bud. All right. All right. That was Devin Kerr. A great uh, analysis there. I think that, you know, if you look at this river hounds and Tampa matchup, yeah, two, teams at a very high level in this league and i think that the home side of course tampa is going to have that going for them as well so i'm sure the motivation wise both teams are you know are not going to give an inch um I, I don't think the hounds will play for a tie i think they will play their game and try to do their thing i don't think it will be like that but i mean if they do get a one nothing lead of course there's those late and they haven't had a, a clean sheet in a while either. So, so there, I think Bob, and he said this after the win against Tulsa last week, he wants 90 minute, a 90 minute performance. And, um, but they're going to, especially if they get an early goal, if Deke gets a goal, my thing is like, if Deke gets another goal in this type of match, he's been so valuable to this team. Um, I mean, we're talking about the, the, the golden boot. Uh, he, he could pretty much secure that, but, you know, I think you got to put him in the conversation for for the league MVP as well, and uh, because really you take his clinical finishing out, um, I don't know if the Hounds are where they are. Um, and then Devin brings that point up: like, do you feel confident if something were to happen to Dequa? Now they did survive without him during two stretches and maintained the, a level um, that was pretty good, but. Um, yeah, well, we'll see about that. Um, but it's going to be valuable. And it's the reason why Albert plays 90 minutes a game, because he does all the things well, not just in terms of his ability to finish and score, but that that high press and that ability to disrupt defenders. And um, and they're going to be tested on Sunday, Saturday, because Tampa has some excellent players that can uh, navigate the ball out of the back when you when you see a forest lasso back in play um you know uh, leo fernandez is now back uh healthy it'll be interesting to see if he plays my hunch is that he plays he comes off the bench um after um his achilles injury and, and, and it's taking a while to get back i think they'll want fernandez for the playoffs and i don't think they want to uh, make sure his, his fitness is good and all of that type of stuff. So I, I would anticipate that he comes in 
in the second half, especially if Tampa's losing. Um, they'll definitely want to get him out there to, um, or it's, it's a tie. Um, it's a it's a scoreless match or something. Um, but he is a difference maker in terms of his ability to score as well. So, all right. Well, that uh, wraps it up for another edition of Sounding Off on Soccer. Again, the Hounds take on Tampa tomorrow. Tomorrow being Saturday, um, uh, October 7th. Uh, and then if they could win, they get the, the three points uh, and, and clinch the East. As Devin said, he, he really does think from top to bottom, Tampa is the most talented team. Um, but we'll see. Uh, maybe the Hounds are the team that just kind of that team of destiny this year. Uh, and they have been the better team overall, the more consistent team. So what is going to win? Is it going to be the team that's been most consistent? Just week in and week out, putting out results? Um, or is it that talented team that's really starting to get it together now late in the season? So we shall see. Um, and again, thanks for joining me on um, Sounding Off on Soccer. We will talk right after this weekend. We'll be back with some more guests and uh, a lot more. Um, there's so much going on in Pittsburgh soccer. So I'm um, looking forward to another edition. But again, thanks for joining me. Have a great day.